Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another week of the Ninth State Sports Show Football Edition. My name is Joe Marcellina, and joining me once again, former football coach in the Granite State, Mike Lockman. Mike, how are we doing today? Doing great tonight, Joe, as always. Uh, you know, and you can uh, send us your questions and feedback uh, by shooting an email to nhhighschoolsports at gmail.com or on Twitter at nhhsports. You can listen to the show on Tuesday mornings at nh-highschoolsports.com. We are, of course, approaching uh, championship uh, weekend for Divisions 1 and 2. So if, well, next week we will, be, uh, we will be doing this again to wrap those up. But then the week after that, we're going to have one more final show to kind of uh, discuss what this uh, strange 2020 season was and, and take a little look ahead to uh, what we're hoping is a much more normal uh, 2021 season. Uh, but before we get into uh, last weekend's games and looking at these championship games, I'd like to remind everyone that the Ninth State Sports Show is proudly sponsored by Greenblatt and O'Rourke, PLLC. Founded in 2017 on the belief that the partners were stronger working as a team, the offices of Greenblatt and O'Rourke specialize in criminal, criminal, family, and business law, along with estate planning and litigation. Seth Greenblatt, Jim O'Rourke, Jeffrey Odland, Mary Lynn Rodell, and Lauren Dudziak take a collaborative team approach in representing their clients. With offices in Contoocook, Milford, Plymouth, and Peterborough, they are available to work with you on your schedule. To contact Greenblatt and O'Rourke, call 603 746-1330 or visit golaw-nh.com. So, Mike, we had, what, uh, five games this past weekend? Uh, of course, one of them getting uh, getting bumped off. Actually, you know what? <laughs> Sorry about this. I'm going to change the subject a little bit here because before we get started, we have kind of some, uh, um, some, some breaking news, I guess, uh, from the football, high school football world tonight. I don't know if... Uh, you saw this earlier on Twitter, um, but uh, National North senior uh, Curtis Harris-Lopez uh, tweeted out that he was um, committing to uh, Holy Cross. Uh, ah. So we have, we have a, uh, a decision on where probably the, uh, the top player in the state this year is uh, definitely the one getting uh, the most looks from Division One schools is, is going to be playing next year. Yeah, that's awesome. Congratulations. Not uh, not a surprise at all. You know, I mean, that's a name we've been, uh, you know, we, we've been talking about for three years now. And um, Holy Cross is a great program. I, I mean, academically, football-wise, um, what little I know of the coaching staff at Holy Cross is very, very positive. Um, I would imagine what I know of of. Curtis, that's going to be a, a great fit for him and a great fit for that program, too. They're very lucky to have him. Yeah, very, very exciting news. I know he was, um, I believe he was up to eight offers from, from Division One schools, uh, FCS schools, um, you know, including some, some uh, two local ones, UNH and Dartmouth, had both offered, uh, had given him offers. So that's, um, that's got to be a pretty exciting thing for him and, and especially an, an exciting time to have it happen, too, with, uh, with, of course, North is in the the Division One championship game coming up this weekend. Um, yeah, so really, uh, really exciting news. And, and uh, again, yeah, like you said, congratulations to him. Yeah, it speaks volumes not just to his what we have seen and been talking about for years now, which is obviously the athletic ability and the the football IQ. But you know, you don't get offers from a school like Dartmouth and Holy Cross, et cetera, because you're a great football player. You, you know, there's an academic component to that um, that that's that's really really special as well. So I mean, that's 
that's the model for what you want in terms of being proud of a of a New Hampshire football player going to that level. So congratulations. You know, and um, like I said, North playing uh, in the championship game Saturday, they had uh, probably their, their uh, well, not probably at all, their toughest test of the season this past weekend in the semifinals against Salem. Um, you know, had to, uh, fell behind early, uh, was trailing in a game for the first time all year, had to come back. Um, and then hang on at the end. That that game was in doubt. I think probably up until, you know, North was able to take a couple of knees to end out end the game. Uh, but they held on to beat Salem thirty three to twenty eight uh, in a game where where Salem did what nobody else has been able to do against North this season, uh, and that's run the football. Um, you know they, uh, you know they matched North's physicality up front, and you know I think their team speed was you know pretty much the same level as North's. They were able to. You know that that um, kind of misdirection offense that they run, um, you know, combined with that speed of their running backs, they gave North some fits, and it was, uh, yeah, like I said, that game was in doubt up until the last couple of minutes. Yeah, you know, and, and I think maybe maybe for the first time in years, we hit this one right on the head in our <laughs> in our our preview discussion last week, right, Joe? Mm-hmm. Um, we actually kind of got it pretty close to right, and that was the discussion we had about, you know, what an interesting matchup it is. Because aside from, you know, some some minor semantics in terms of like the formations that are used and the depth that the quarterback lines up at, right? I mean, the offense is really philosophically that these two teams run very similar. The makeup of the teams um, a little different. Uh, I think. I think. Um, Salem a little bit more predicated on uh, speed and North predicated a little bit more on power between the tackles, but, but certainly North has, has guys that can get to the outside on sweeps and things as well. But um, yeah, I mean, we, we, we kind of hoped we were right about that. I think as we were talking about it, because we really wanted the state to see a great game from these yeah. two teams. And uh, it, it's nice to see that it turned out that way. Yeah, it definitely lived up. Um, you know, to what we, what our expectations were, you know, and, and the big difference, um, you know, I think for North was actually was Harris Lopez uh, early in the game, uh, at least on offense. Uh, they, Salem did a nice job of taking away uh, some of the other guys in North's offense. And, you know, at, at times it kind of looked like they were able to do um, a good job of containing uh, Harris Lopez, but, you know, he, he does, he, did what he does you know he uh, broke out a couple of big plays um had a couple long touchdown runs you know and that was um that was i think was was the big difference at least in the first half of that game um but you know it, it early on it was all salem i had them uh of course of course i don't have it right in front of me um but they they in the first quarter had the ball i think and ran 20 plays uh to just three for north it was wow. yeah, it was remarkable. I mean, they opened up that game with a 13 play drive and went 71 yards, and that's all those 71 yards are on the ground. And of North's previous five games, um, they'd only given up more than that once in an entire game. So it was like watching it was kind of like almost surreal. Yeah, yeah, especially I mean, you've seen North a lot this season just by by the way the schedule yeah, and, and your schedule have worked out. It's so the kind of year I've seen I've seen every North game this year. Yeah, right. <laughs> Which I don't think I, that never happens. Yeah, but you know, um, I I think that um, you know Salem 
kind of had that as their game plan, right? I, I think they knew that they wanted to limit the amount of time that North was on the field, uh, and certainly the amount of touches and opportunities that that uh, Harris Lopez would get. And so it became, um, you know, sort of selling to that offense, the coaching staff selling to that offense, hey, if we have the ball and we can march it, on these long sustained drives, don't make mistakes, stick on blocks, run hard. Uh, you know, we've got a chance and we've got a chance we can win, you know, meaning if we can, if we can hang in there for a while and not let it get out of control, um, you know, that's the formula. And it seems like that's really what they went with. And it, and it darn near worked. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it came down to a couple of turnovers, um, including one in the fourth quarter that, um, you know that that were the big difference. Then you know North got got it and was able to uh, run out the clock. Yes, and and I think you know ultimately you know you said they kind of did a they did a good job on Harris, but then you look at the fact that he had you know had over, yeah, almost two hundred twenty yards it's rushing. Hard to, it's hard to say. I I mean he did have some very long runs, but then there were also a lot of times where they held him to you know, a couple yards or even to negative yardage. Right. Right. Yeah. So it wasn't, it it wasn't like just free and in control type of thing, which is again, I think probably what Salem expected, right? You could say, Hey, we got to bottle him up as best we can. We know he's going to get his yards, um, but we can't just let him run wild. Right. We've got to be able to get hats on him as much as possible. Here's, here's a number for here's uh, this might explain it better um, than I've, than I've been doing. It took him until it, it took him five carries to get to exactly a hundred yards, uh, and then hmm. it took him another what is that uh, seventeen carries to get to two hundred yards. Yeah, yeah, very interesting. Um, yeah, and you know, looking at this game too, and and looking over Salem's roster, um, you know, and they just have so many impressive kids, and. You know, a lot of them are coming back next year. Uh, Dante Fernandez and Aiden McDonald being uh, probably the two key ones in my mind. I mean, those two, um, you know, Fernandez just has such speed and and so many moves. Uh, and then McDonald, for a kid who runs in between the tackles a lot, he's got just as much speed. Uh, so, you know, and both of them are juniors, going to be back next year. So I'm, you know, we'll talk about them definitely a lot more in this in this sense in a couple of weeks when we kind of look ahead, but um, you know, they're definitely a team that's got to be on the radar as a, as a favorite going into 2021. Yeah. And I'm sure they're disappointed, but you know, here's the thing you, you lost to arguably, and, and we will find out in less than a week, you lost to arguably one of the, the best teams in the state. Um, and you know, you, you, it's like we said last week, I think the amount of progress that Salem has made since their first yeah, game. Absolutely. Um, I, I mean, just e- even in some of their earlier wins, it's like they looked good, and you could tell that they were getting by on speed in some cases, defense in another case, uh, you know, a good offensive line play in another case. But earlier in the season, it felt like they never really had put all those things together and and really – realize their potential and i think that they just they just got better every week i mean almost exponentially to the point where they have been the only thing that's really legitimately come close to challenging north this year so as much as i'm sure it pains them that they're not playing for a championship um you know this coming weekend 
you got to feel good about the progress that was made with that group this season. Um, you know, hats off to them. Um, and, and even more so hats off to North for being able to weather that storm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and really get through a tough, tough battle in order to, to pull it off. That's, that's another kind of amazing, um, and, and great mental toughness story. Uh, of course, North is going to be uh, going to be playing in the championship game this coming Saturday. Uh, it's a one o'clock start at Bedford High School, and their opponent in that game is uh, is Goffstown, which uh, came away with a twenty-seven fifteen win over Winnicunit. That um, you know, I think maybe is a little closer than than what the game actually played out. Um, it was twenty-seven seven uh, until Winnicunit was able to score late, and their um, from what I understand, their first touchdown was kind of a not a not, it was a defensive touchdown, but happened kind of in a strange way. If that's if I'm not mistaken, like that there was a fum- yeah. I got to see uh, um, the stream or or some of the stream of that game, and it, it was almost like I don't know if you watched Sunday Night Football with the with uh, the Pats versus um, the Ravens last night, but uh, you know there were there were a couple points during the exchange with the uh, on the exchange where the Ravens were sort of doing that that ride between Lamar Jackson and whoever was in it running back at that time. And they just got messed up on the exchange. And that's almost exactly what it looked like led to the first when it kind of touchdown was there was just a, a messed up exchange on the read mesh between the quarterback and the running back. And the ball ended up on the ground in the end zone with nobody around it. And I forget the Winnicott player's name who, who was there, but Zach Fredericks. Yeah, Fredericks. He, he he just he was there, kind of. You know, he was two or three full speed strides, and he pounced on it, and it was never challenged. And bang, just like that, they're up. It's uh yeah seven nothing, and then Goffstown answers with a, a one of their uh, typical drives. That's twelve plays, sixty yards, tying it up on uh, on a three yard run by Jarrett Hanalt, who uh, it sounds like did the kind of things he's been doing all season, just. You know, pounding away, pounding away. You know, giving it up to uh, to Zach Picard, uh, throwing it when they need to throw it, and um, yeah, I, I'm I'm very interested to see that matchup uh, coming up because um, Goffstown has got to be the biggest um, outside of North, the biggest front, uh, I, you know, in the state, and Hanalt is uh, a pretty big guy himself, uh, and when he gets running, he gets going and gets a full steam. Uh, he's tough to bring down. Yeah, they're they're th- and that's really the story uh, of their offense from what I've seen of them uh, now is they they have really good size. Um, they don't have a ton of of speed, right? They're not lightning fast, um, but they just pound away. And the offensive line is big, and they block just well enough with just enough good technique to create seams and whether it's, uh, you know, whether it's Picard on like an inside zone type play or whether it's an alt reading it and deciding to, to pull it and go on like a power read or whether it's just a designed run to Hanalt, which, which I saw plenty of as well, right. Where they just direct snap it to him and he's running QB stretch or, you know, like a, a QB ISO type of play. It looked like almost that that's what they're doing. They're just pounding away with a big group that's that's very well coached, um, and, and quite frankly, they're just strong. You can tell that they've done well in the weight room. 
they've got a lot of power and they can they can work the ball straight ahead very methodically and you know my view of it was Winnicunnet just did not have the um i guess the size on defense to stand up to that right they were pretty fast they had some good players but you know when two to three yard gains start turning into five six yard game gains that's you know that's when you know that things are going your way offensively because you're just wearing them out with your size. Yeah, definitely, and and definitely want to want to you know tip the cap to to Winnicott too for for the season that they put together here. Uh, I know we talked about them a little bit more earlier in the year, uh, you know, and, and when they opened up with some those big wins against um, I think it was um, Exeter, and uh, now I'm drawing a blank. Uh, <laughs> But you know they were they were a team that was coming off a one win season a year ago. Uh, yeah. Second year with a with a new, uh, somewhat new coaching staff. Not you know guys that had been around, but were were you know had taken on I guess different roles. You know, and it's um, you know coming off a year like that can be really tough. These these guys bought in, um, you know, and they turned in a, a very good season, uh, making it to the semifinals. Probably when a lot of people didn't think that they would. I know I I would include myself among them. I. You know, I thought they'd be better this year, but I definitely didn't see them being a, a team that was in the Final Four. Uh, you know, no, and, and no, I, certainly not in the preseason when, uh, you know, when you're thinking about, you know, who's likely to go where and and so forth, right? I mean, it it, it really was a, a great turnaround, and and we talked at the beginning of the year, and I've and I've mentioned in past years how difficult I think it is personally. Mm-hmm to have a program turn around quickly after a down year yeah. in football, right? I think it's, it's different in other sports. It's very, very difficult to do in football. And so, you know, hats off to the coaching staff, to the seniors, to the captains on that team. Um, and they fought hard. They fought hard in that, in that championship game. I mean, it was, it was not uh, a runaway. Like you said, um, you know, the score might've been lopsided at times, but um you know, Winnicott was able to make some things happen. I, I think ultimately, it was a tough matchup because once Gosstown sort of took away the inside run, um, they forced Winnicott to go to things that weren't weren't really what Winnicott wanted to do. Right? They were either getting Winnicott into the shotgun, and uh, that that's not that's not their first choice. Right? They want to be in split backs and running kind of options and dives and things. Or they were getting them out on the perimeter, and. Um, is it Jeremy Hinault, which is Jarrett's brother? Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah, I mean, he was just a monster uh, cleaning up any kind of wide run that Winnicott attempted. So, you know, I, I think it just ended up kind of the ball got rolling in the wrong direction a little too early for Winnicott. They were forced to go to some things that they weren't necessarily, you know, it's not that that's not their go-to stuff. And once that happened, it, it almost kind of felt like defensively Goffstown was able to kind of smell the blood in the water and really get after them. So, um, but otherwise you, you, your, your point is dead on. They, they had a really, really good season. It's a tremendous effort to come back from uh, the tough year that they had the previous year. And, um, you know, again, it, it was a great game. You know, and they're, they're another team that, uh, you know, looking over their roster. I mean, they've, they've got a good number of seniors from this year, but definitely a lot of underclassmen. Uh, you know, we mentioned Fredericks. He's a junior. Uh, their quarterback, Kyle Tilly, he's back for another year. Uh, Tucker McCann, who is one of their their uh, key running backs, he's also back. So they're definitely another team that um, you know is going to be on the radar going into the, the uh, 2021 season. 
Yep. Um, so I know we, we talked a little bit about styles of, of, of teams uh, of North and Goffstown going into this game on Saturday. Uh, how about, how about uh, I got some, uh, some numbers and some, some uh, notes to go over here, too. Are you, are you ready to do that? Oh, game? yeah. Yeah, I'm always ready to talk about the stats and stuff. <laughs> uh, <laughs> as long as somebody so, else is crunching them, I'm happy to talk about them. <laughs> stats, stats may be the wrong word. These are just more kind of like historical tidbits. Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. So this uh, this is actually, uh, interestingly enough, this is only the fourth time that uh, North and Goffstown are ever going to have uh, have played each other, and it'll actually be the second playoff meeting. Um, they met in the 2015 quarterfinals, a game that Goffstown won 50-13 uh, to 13 on the way to their, uh, their championship uh, in 2015. They also played in the regular season uh, that year. Goffstown won 35-6. to 6. Uh, the only other meeting came in 2018 during the regular season that North won 48 to 22. So yeah, I was at that game. Yeah, not a lot of uh, not a lot of history between these two schools. Uh, of course, North, you know, hasn't been around, um, t- you know, not even 20 years yet. So you know, not a, not a ton of history against uh, some schools there. And uh, and Goffstown has only been in Division One since 2013. So uh, right, not surprising that there hasn't been a lot of matchups. Uh, what I did find interesting was, um, especially given you know you know playoff games and and the number of games played this year. I think Goffstown has played the maximum will have played the maximum number of games. This will be their ninth game of the year, uh, while North this will just be their seventh game. They missed a couple during the regular season. Uh, yeah. But still, they both both programs have played uh, since the start of the 2018 season. Both programs have played exactly 28 games. Uh, North is twenty-two and six. Goffstown is twenty-one and seven, uh, in that huh. span. Uh, not that that has any bearing on this game. I just thought that was kind of neat. No, no, it is. <laughs> well, and, and it does a little bit, right? Especially when you when you talk about some of these guys that are three-year starters, like like Curtis Harris Lopez, for example. Um, you know, there there is a, a sort of uh, um what do you want to call it? Like a library of experience that gets built up yeah. for a player. Right. So, um, you know, I, I, like you said, I don't think it has a huge, huge impact or factor, but it is, it is a fascinating little tidbit. Um, and, and I think, I think this is the, you know, you've asked me in the past, Hey, is this what you would have expected to see? Or, you know, a couple of weeks ago, you said, Hey, you know, think about the playoff field, even though the, the season's been really strange so far, are these the teams we would have expected. And largely, you know, the answer was kind of yes. I guess at the end of the day, these are the two teams that, you know, by mid season, you were kind of looking at saying, those are the two teams that I would expect to be there in the end. If nothing yeah. changes. Particularly. I, I think that's, yeah, I think that's pretty accurate. I, I definitely would have said, um, I, Goffstown definitely given the way that the, the, the seating, the brackets were going to break down, given that, you know, it was going to be Northeast, playing each other and Southwest playing each other, you know, that Goffstown I thought was definitely the best team on that one, one side. Um, I thought North, um, you know, beginning of the season, I thought South was going to be a little bit better than they were, um, you know, and, and then how do you count out again, Salem, Londonderry and Pinkerton. Um, right. But as the season kind of rolled along, yeah, I think you're right. North, the North Goffstown seemed like, you know, the odds on favorite to, to be in the championship game. Uh, yeah, right. I mean, teams like um, Londonderry and and uh, to a, maybe a lesser extent Salem, I guess. But they, you know, they you you knew that they had some chinks in their armor. Right. Uh, North never showed that. No. Uh, no. Other than 
that they missed regular season games. Uh, you know, not to any fault of their own, just, you know, when you're chalking up, uh, you know, whether that um, that lost experience could work against you a little bit. Right. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that the, I think that the best two teams are going to be playing for that, that championship. I mean, it is kind of interesting because uh, playing at Bedford, which is a beautiful place, a, a neutral site, but I mean, it's, it's virtually a home game for Goffstown. They're right up the road. They're very used to playing in that venue, right? Cause they, 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 um, have Bedford quite a bit as a, as an opponent. So <laughs> Bedford, uh, I mean, uh, Gostown will be pretty familiar with that venue. And they just, played, I, I don't uh, remember the last time North played over there. They just played, uh, Gostown just hosted a playoff game there two weeks ago against, uh, against Concord, I believe. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. They played yeah. that game at, at, at Bedford because of yeah. the, the weather the day before. That's right. That's um, right. Yeah, North. I I'm not sure the last time they've played there. It's been, it may have been since 2015. Um, just given the cycles, and I know the last time when they played Bedford in 2018, that game was at Stellos. Right. Uh, you know, I got I got I got one other note here too. Uh, or I, I guess two notes here. Uh, interestingly enough, this this game is the third uh, final appearance for both programs. Uh, hmm. North went to the finals in Division One in 2009 and 2010, uh, lost by a touchdown in both games, uh, 09-28-21 against Salem, and in 2010-14-7 against Pinkerton. Yeah. And I re- remember in that, that Pinkerton game was, uh, was kind of an odd one um, because when they had played during the regular season, North just North actually blew out Pinkerton. Um, I, I want to say it was almost a running time game. And uh, that was that was Pinkerton's only division loss, though. So they ended up hosting. I think North ended up dropping games to South and then Salem during the regular season. Yeah. Um, so Pinkerton ended up hosting the game, and North had the ball. I want to say inside the ten, like five times, uh, and couldn't didn't score. I think on any of them. Um, yeah. So it was just one of those days where they just yeah they got to the ten yard line. It was like they ran into the ran into a wall. Yeah. Um. But then for for Goffstown, like I said, this is their third final appearance. They uh, of course they beat Exeter in 2015, uh, 42-14 to f- to finish an undefeated season, and in uh, in 2012 they uh, lost the Division Three championship game to Portsmouth, uh, 54 to 27. Yep, I remember that. So just uh, interesting how the the kind of the symmetry there, I guess, between uh, the records and the you know playoff meetings and or excuse me. Uh, championship history for yeah. both programs joe do you do you i don't mean to put you on the spot on this one but i bet a lot of people are curious uh and i am genuinely curious i'm, I'm asking for myself as much as the audience do you know what the the situation is for people who want to go see uh that game is it is it sort of restricted uh, as it's been all season you know or, or like is there a way if you're a fan you want to go see the game or, or are you kind of out of luck because of the circumstances you know, where, or, or do you know i'm not a hundred percent sure i'm i'm i would assume that that if you want to go to the game i think you're gonna it's gonna have to be a situation where you're getting passes from a player still uh yeah i think with the game being at bedford um visiting fans are going to be able to go Nashua's had a um, a restriction on allowing, and and not the schools, the city actually, right, has had a restriction on on visiting fans attending uh, games at Stellos. So that's I think uh, part of the reason why wanting to get this game, uh, at, you know, at a neutral site 
um, so that both teams are able to to have fans there. But I believe that's the case. The case is that if you know you're gonna ha- you want to go, you're gonna have to be kind of on the guest list of a, of a player. Yeah, yeah, and that's probably the safest thing to do. It's unfortunate because yeah. I'm sure those the the student bodies and the extended families and stuff are are just you know really really excited to see those teams go out there and and compete this weekend but it sounds like that's probably you know that protocol has worked fairly well this season even though it's been painful so you got to expect that that's probably what they're going to stick with yeah i'm not i'm not sure what the situation will be with in regards to to live streaming the games i know the nfhs normally does that stuff um i know there's been a couple of games though that they haven't done uh for whatever reason um you know goffstown nashua both have their own kind of um, public TV stations that that do a lot of lot with the games. So I don't know if one or both of them are going to be there live streaming, or it, it, may, it may be a situation where they have to. Uh, if the NFHS is there, they have to kind of record it and then and tape delay kind of thing. Show it later on in the week. Right. Um, but I would keep an eye out on Twitter and 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 uh, maybe on your school websites just to uh, keep up on that one. Yep. All right, what do you say we move on to uh, to Division Two, where uh, we unfortunately only have one game to talk about uh, from the summit. Yeah, I was just going to say we we're, we we can we can make up for time, unfortunately, <laughs> because we uh, we ended up with a with just a yeah, forfeiture. Just one, one game to talk about. Um, yeah. So the game that did get played, we had um, Sauhegan hosting Timberlane, which is kind of inter- interesting um, kind of twist here. Uh, you know, you had Timberlane coming in off of a they they advanced to the semifinals after St. Thomas had to forfeit their game uh, in the quarterfinals, and then so so Sauhegan plays Timberlane. They win thirty-one to seven. They're moving on to the final on also on Saturday where they'll face Plymouth, who advanced to the final because Lebanon had to forfeit uh, their semifinal game. Yeah. So two weeks in a row, Sauhegan's getting a team that's going to be a little bit more rested than they are. Right. But that didn't really seem to matter uh, this past weekend, did it? Uh, although early on, I guess it, it was a little more in doubt than uh, than the final score indicates. Yeah, it, it was. Uh, it, it sounded like they had a couple of lightning fast touchdowns uh, at the end of the game. Um, but it was what was it seventeen nothing at half on the strength it was, of uh... it was it was scoreless until late in the second quarter and then you had um, uh, Sauhegan for the second week in a row blocked a punt and then recovered it for a touchdown uh, with uh, Will Boyle uh, recovering the touchdown with about two and a half minutes left in the second and then um, Sauhegan forces another punt gets the ball back and Austin Jane hits uh, Luke Manning for a a forty one yard touchdown and it's fourteen nothing at halftime. Uh, just like that. Yeah. Yeah. And Sauhegan's special teams have been um, really risen to the challenge in this, uh, in this postseason, right? I, I had kind of mentioned um, how important they were in the, in the Hollis Brookline game that Sauhegan hosted. And uh, same thing here, right? I mean, you, you get a blocked punt, you know, touchdown basically uh, in, in a, in the, first half of a a, score, a scoreless game too yeah a scoreless playoff game and that is a massive not just a momentum swinger but just it's like it's like a gut punch when it happens to you right it's it's very difficult to guard against 
the the absolute balloon deflation that happens when something like that occurs you know that the 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 team that benefits from it goes goes crazy has all that energy and momentum now um and the team that it happens against is just just beside themselves typically right that 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 that's happened and what a swing right so uh that's two weeks in a row that that uh, the Sauhegan special teams, we've been talking a lot about the Sauhegan defense, but the Sauhegan special teams has really set the tone. Or and, two games, I should say. Yeah, uh, You know, and they, they, um, they got a field goal in the second half from, from Riley Lawhorn. Um, and then Jane hit uh, Reese Colby for two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. So it was, yeah, it was scoreless. And then 14, nothing, 17, nothing. And uh, next thing you know, it's a 31, seven final. It's, um, Kind of, you know, an impressive win for Sauhegan in, in a season that's been full of, I think, impressive wins. Um, you know, and now they're in the championship game for the first time in, what, 10 years, I believe? Yeah, it was... Um, 2010, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, it's... it's uh, this, this rivalry with Plymouth has been reborn. Um in the Robin Bockhead era. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it had kind of um, faded, whether it was because there was a, a separation between Division Three and Four for some time when Plymouth was in four and Sauhegan was in three, or with the realignment, the teams never ended up facing each other, um, whether it was under Coach Bellevue, Bellevue or uh, under myself. Um, I never faced Plymouth in the, the four or five years that I was there, and, and I know Coach Bellevue hadn't, you know, didn't get a chance to play them yeah. towards the end of his career as the head coach there. But since Coach Bockhead has come in and, and taken the program, um, they faced each other, what now, twice in the playoffs? So this will be the third meeting. Um, yeah. yeah. Since 2017, they played in the playoffs. Uh, this will be the third time. Of course, uh, like I said, Plymouth moved on with a forfeit by Lebanon, who unfortunately, um, I don't even know if they had, they didn't have a, a COVID case of their own. There was a, I believe, a bow player that had it from the week before, uh, and just out of an abundance of, of caution, you know, they po- they canceled that game. So, really, a tough break for Lebanon. They had to turned in um, a fantastic season. Um, yeah, you know, going from runner up in Division Three a year ago to getting bumped back up to Division Two, um, they'd been you know undefeated up to this point, and and with a, a couple of impressive wins, um, you know, but this will. Not just that that this will be the third time since 2017 that Plymouth and Sauhegan have, have met in the playoffs. Uh, I'm going back here to uh, it, it's back a ways, back to 1998. Um, this will be the tenth time that these two teams have uh, have played each other in the playoffs. And like you said, from uh, 2008 until 2013. They weren't even in the same division, so they couldn't have played each other in the playoffs. So you take out all those years in between too. So this is, uh, yeah, yeah, a nice a nice rivalry, uh, I guess renewed. But um, you know, is, what do they say about rivalries that that both teams have to win at some point? Uh, and I, of the previous nine meetings, um, Plymouth's won eight of them, including all five uh, championship games. Yeah, it, it it was it was a one-sided affair for a long time, but and you know especially it was especially heated during the the Mike Boyle versus Sean Jellison days when you had arguably two of the best football players New Hampshire's produced yeah. in some decades. Um, 
you know, kind of competing against each other during that era. It was, it was, uh, you know, right in the local media, it was heated, right? I mean, you, you'd read articles about, uh, some of the emotion in those games and some of the frustration and things. And it was, it was, uh, but, it, but, but, you know, but it was still, it defied that convention, I think that you just said, which is sort of, you need, you need it to be a little back and forth to be a meaningful rivalry for whatever reason, as one-sided as that was, it did feel like a meaningful rivalry during those days. I think it, it really felt like both teams just didn't have a lot of appreciation for each other, <laughs> regardless of who was winning and who wasn't, you know, and there was, uh, there was some good old fashioned football, you know, like kind of nasty involved in those games. And, um, if I'm not mistaken, the last couple of years, it, it's, it's been sort of, uh, I think the first playoff meeting, I don't remember what the score was, but it was, I was at the game and it it wasn't, you know, it was, it was kind of a, a, a Plymouth runaway, right? I mean, it wasn't embarrassing or anything for South yeah, but it, it was, was never, a, uh, a 20, it, never in doubt. Quarterfinals in 2017, it was a 49-21 uh, Plymouth win. Yeah, yeah. You know, again, it wasn't like an embarrassing loss for South but it wasn't in doubt at any particular point. Last year was a little bit more of a back and forth affair, I think, until at the at the end Plymouth sort of put it away. Two years, but it ago. felt like it was really hard for them to put Sauhegan away last year, if I remember correctly. Two, two years, yeah, twenty eighteen they played in the semifinals. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, not yeah. not last year, the the uh, second meeting. Absolutely, forty five twenty eight was the final in that one. But yeah, you're right. Yeah. That one definitely there were a couple. Uh, you know, it would. It, I remember looking at that updates on that one. You know, it looked like Plymouth was pulling away, and then all of a sudden Sauhegan scored. And yes. Plymouth came back and scored, and then oh, Sauhegan scored again. So yeah, yep. it, wasn't, it wasn't until um, the second half of that game, late in the second half of that game, that Plymouth, uh, yeah, was able to put it away. Um, yeah, you know what I mentioned? That was the this is the first time that Sauhegan's been in the final since 2010. Uh, that was the the last of three straight championships in Division Three for Sauhegan. Uh, for Plymouth, um, this is the f- the fifth year in a row that they're in the finals. Um, which, you know, a lot of programs would, that'd be like the, uh, the golden era of that, of that program. Um, this isn't even the, the second, uh, five year streak that they've had, uh, in the last, I don't know, 30 years. And it's not even the longest finals streak that they've had. Um, they went to five straight from 94 to 98. And then from, uh, 79 to 85, Plymouth was in seven straight championship games. Wow. Yeah, there's a reason why they're, you know, kind of the gem of the state of New Hampshire football, yeah. right? Regardless of, you know, you can have a lot of talk about what division you play in and all that kind of stuff. I mean, put that aside for a minute. They they have been tremendous through the decades, um, you know, getting it done the same way. Right. And I say that with respect, not with, uh, um, you know, sort of like a roll of the eyes. Right. I mean, right. they their offense and their defense uh, has had the same sort of philosophical foundation to it for decades now. And it has persevered that philosophy and that frame of mind that they have about how they go about their business has persevered through um, decades, uh, not just persevered, but I mean, just excelled. Yeah, so it's a lot for it's a lot of um, as it has been through the years, right? It, it's a lot of weight on uh, the Sauhegan shoulders 
going into that game with all of that history and, and, uh, and, um, you know, success to, to be staring in the eyes. Um, and they're going up there, right? They're going up no, to... No, 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 that, game's at, that game is at Sauhegan. Oh, it is? Yep, 1 o'clock Saturday. They will kick off in Amherst. Oh, very interesting. Yeah, that in itself makes, I believe, makes a huge difference. Uh, yeah, I wonder, you know, you may not have this in front of you, but I wonder how many of those championship games that Sauhegan lost were <laughs> All of up in... <laughs> Plymouth. All of them were. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say I don't. I don't think they've ever. I think it was very rare that Sauhegan would have hosted a championship sure, game. I'm pretty sure all of the playoff meetings, with the exception of the one that Sauhegan won, um, were were in Plymouth. Yeah. And you know, if there's if there's anyone who can take that that team and uh, you know make sure that they're aware of the history, but make sure that they've got just the right type of confidence and, um, you know, attitude to bring into it regarding that history, it, it's going to be coach Bacat, right? Like, yeah. uh, you know, he's a, he's a, he's an alumni of the school. He's been through the battles. He's been there for a few years now. Uh, he's got a lot of energy and I think his guys love him. And I, I, I think between him and coach Bellevue, who's on the staff there, they'll make sure that those guys know, that history and how important that history is and where Sauhegan realistically sits in that history. But they're also going to make damn sure that those guys go in there with absolutely no fear and they'll play very loose is my prediction. And it it will be a very, very good game. You know, in this, the matchup wise, you know, we talked about that Salem North game last week being, um, you know, different styles. Uh, You know, this week's division one game is going to be, you know, two spread teams that like to get out and run the ball first. And then uh, this one, though, you've got, um, you know, two two teams that, that really, uh, you know, are, are kind of, I, I would assume, opposites on offense when you when they get out there. Yeah, very much so. Um, and that's been the story, even, even going back to um, the early 2000s before Sauhegan had transitioned into the, into the spread offense when they were a wing T offense, it was, they were still a contrast of styles where it was, you know, Sauhegan was sort of speed and, and uh, deception versus Plymouth's just brute force. Um, and, and I think it's going to be very, very much a contrast here. I think the big difference though, is that this is the first time in some time, where I would say the highlight of uh, this particular championship-bound Sauhegan team is their defense. Yeah. You know, Sauhegan has always had um, a good defense, but their calling card in those years where they went to the finals was their offense. It always was, whether it was Sean Jellison or Steve Jellison or, uh, you know, any number of the quarterbacks that they've had uh, through the last 15 years or so who have been really good, it, it's been it's been an offensive team, is what you think about. This year, Sauhegan is kind of built on that defense. It's not to say their offense isn't good, because it is, but they're built around that defense. And so it's it's a little different this year, I think. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and here, here will be my uh, – let me, let me take 30 seconds real quick to just uh... – gripe about the fact that these two games are taking place at the same time in different locations on the same day yeah uh, <laughs> i know i know it's 2020 and things are weird and and we're playing the games that's great 
but you know, I sure, I sure would have loved to have been able to see these two. You know, they don't have to be in the same place. You know, start one game at one and start the other game at four thirty. You know, where the Bedford and Amherst aren't that far apart. Uh, of course, I again with without fans being able to attend outside of family members, I guess, I guess maybe I'm the only one that that, that this is affecting, and and I can't go from one game <laughs> to the other. So. I guess I'm, I one one sad man's uh, lament here. Uh, I guess well, I call this. yeah, but I mean, on the on the other side of that, though, Joe, I think we've we've also been pleasantly spoiled with the arrangement um, that the NHIA has had with University of New Hampshire um, over the last. That's true. Very true. Whatever it's been, what six, seven years. Yeah, I think, um, I think so. Yeah, it was 2013. I think was the first year, and, and 14, one of those years. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and that became such a great event because exactly what you just said, right? You could go there and you could catch, um, maybe with the exception of, of um, some of the lower division games, which would, would, would sometimes take place like a week earlier just because the number of teams dictated they didn't have a quarterfinal round or whatever. But, you know, you could go up to UNH and spend the day and see all those games, no problem. You didn't even have to jump in your car to run from one or the other. Um, and so we've we've been spoiled a little bit with that arrangement. It's It's another... Uh, unfortunate fallout of um, you know the pandemic environment that we're in. That you know we're we're kind of back to we're back to the way things used to be when these games would all get played on a Saturday afternoon at, at the at the higher seated site, and you had to pick and choose. And if you you know, and if you you chose one that was kind of over by halftime, <laughs> you, know, you were out of luck if one game was play, being played at. Exeter and the other one was being played, uh, you know, at Stello Stadium or, or something. Or at Plymouth. Yeah, right. You know, you you, you weren't going to make it. So we, we find ourselves similarly uh, afflicted this year. Uh, speaking of uh, of other other division championship games, there were two uh, championship games from this past weekend uh, in divisions three and four. Um, I, I uh, tough tough games to talk about because they were. Both fairly one-sided, um, you know. In the end, though, I think, you know, we, we discussed this uh, earlier. Um, we both kind of agreed, though, that that you know, you look at Pelham winning Division Three and Newport winning Division Four, and uh, you know, when all said and done, those are probably the teams that that we would have picked to to win them um, going into the postseason or or midpoint of the season. And I think those are those were the two best teams in those divisions. Of course, Pelham uh, beating Stevens uh, forty to nothing in the Division Three game, and uh, Newport beating Summersworth forty-two to nothing in the Division Four game. Uh, the stat from one stat from that game that just blows my mind was what Newport outgained Summersworth like three hundred and something yards to three. Uh, yeah, just uh, t- two tough games. Um, you know, if you were on the the losing end of those. But, you know, I think we kind of joked about it uh, last week, and, and, of course, we're going to say the same thing again this week. We'd love to see Pelham and Newport play each other now for another, you know, kind of ultimate championship game uh, of the lower, div- the smaller divisions. Uh, yeah, let's, let's see them get together and play a game this week. Yeah, it, it, so it would be a tremendous game. Um, but, you know, you know, of course, that that won't happen. I, I mean, you know, even if we write some strongly worded letters, I doubt it would happen. But uh, even in a normal year, I don't think it would happen. <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. I, and you know, one, it doesn't it doesn't really benefit um, the the Pelham Pythons too much, right? To have to, you know, kind of you win a state championship and then now you've got to go play down in division their championship, and you know that that's that's kind of a that's kind of a 
eh, arrangement, right? I mean, you don't really have a whole lot to gain out of that if you're the if you're the higher division team. No, yeah. but you know, I I think I think you made a really good point. You know, f- first and foremost is, and I'm not saying this just because we're on the air and we have an audience and we have to say the right things. I I, I mean this from the absolute you know uh, absolute state of honesty. These were these were without a doubt the two best teams in their respective divisions, Absolutely. right? I mean, the records, the statistics, uh, the the uh, the quality wins that they had against uh, both league and you know non-division opponents would would absolutely um, I think would absolutely support that. Um, so hats off to to both of those. I think the unfortunate thing is that because of the ups and downs within those divisions and the way things shook out. I think it just it you know neither um, neither Summersworth nor Stevens really had the opportunity to put their best foot forward, right? Yeah, um, against those two teams because both of those teams are good teams, but they just didn't you know you've only played two games. It's like we've been saying all season. I mean, most most of these teams uh, in a normal season have have had two, three, sometimes four scrimmage type encounters before they even show up for week one, right? Whether it's two or three scrimmages in a jamboree or whatever it might be, but you know, they had none of that in the preseason and they played two football games. Yeah. I, I mean, summers. Yeah, you're right. Summersworth played three total games this year, two of them against the same team. Right. Um, yeah. It's, it's a tough, it's, it's a tough, I mean, tough situation to be in, but I'm sure, you know, they're, they're happy they were able to at least get some games in and uh and then yeah we'll we'll have to wonder what if uh Pelham did play Newport. Uh Yeah, I I think it would be a heck of a game. I mean, it's all speculation. I I um I watched a um a stream or whatever you want to call it. Um it wasn't live, but I, I I caught some of the film afterwards of the uh of of the Division 4 game um Newport and Summersworth and yeah, I mean Newport was just they were really good. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like we've been trying to say here. I think it's, it's almost like you wish they had a better situation to prove how good they were in that final game. Um, and that's not to take anything away from Summersworth. It wasn't their fault that, you know, the, the situation they found themselves in, right. It's just, it was just a product of the environment that we've been in, but uh, Newport, Newport was a, a very good football team. And, um, I think that, you know, what, what I saw from them was they, they had a, a very, very good offensive line. Um, their quarterback whose name escapes me now. I mean, you know, he, he could throw the ball really well. He opened up with, uh, scoring the first two touchdowns, rushing touchdowns. Um, and then, you know, he scored a two point conversion later in the game. Uh, you know, a number of different backs scored touchdowns for Newport. I mean, they were just and, and defensively, like you said, they held. What, what was the total yardage statistic? Three thirty-three to three. Yeah, and and that's what it looked like in the footage that I watched. Right, it was just like there was maybe one player in the Newport front who wasn't getting blocked by uh, Summer Summersworth's offensive line each play, and whoever that one player was 
he was almost always making a play at or behind the line of scrimmage in the run game. It's like they, they were just very, very good this year. So, um, and again, that, that was the one game that I got to see. I did not get to see uh, anything of the, of the Pelham game. But, you know, we, we knew how good Pelham was. I mean, yeah. wh- how many points did Pelham they, give up this they season? Gave up, they gave up 10 points to Division three teams. They, they had that game against Milford uh, where they Milford, I, I don't remember, scored maybe 13 on them. Uh, yeah. But outside of that, Monadnock was the only other team, only team in Division three to score on them this year. Right. Just a, yeah, that's a remarkable, remarkable feat. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, regardless. Right. And, 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 and so, um, yeah, again, I mean, it, you know, congratulations to those two teams because without a doubt they were the best. Um, it, it, it's unfortunate that the way that things played out this season didn't allow for teams like, uh, Summersworth and, and Stevens to be able to, I think, put their best foot forward. Not that I think the outcomes of those games would have been, in terms of win-loss, would have been different, because I don't think they would have, honestly. Yeah. Um, but I, I think the games would have been more heavily contested um, if those teams had had the benefit of having a more full season and you know, being able to get their players kind of that, in that rhythm and you know, used to the physicality and the and the conditioning that's necessary to go through a full forty eight minutes, et cetera. Well, we've crowned uh, we've crowned two champions so far, and so congrats to, again to uh, to Pelham and Newport. We will uh, hopefully be crowning two more champions this uh, this coming Saturday in Division One and Division Two. Uh, any Mike, any final thoughts uh, on either of those games before we wrap up? Well, no, other than. Just to reiterate what we've been saying, I, I, I truly believe that these are the these are the best teams uh, that are showing up in these matchups in, in both Division One and Division Two. You know, we you know we were saying kind of behind the scenes for weeks and weeks now, like okay, so look, it's looking like Sauhegan and Plymouth, for example, right? right? And uh, and 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 here you go, right? And um, I certainly think that, like we were talking about earlier, that. Um, Goffstown and North represent the best of Division One. So, um, and, and I don't see any kind of clear cut. You know, if, if you were asking me to make a call, I, I really don't see any clear cut runaway in either of these ones. I don't know enough about Plymouth, other than their history and that they always show up. And you know, it's it, you can't rule that out. And and then and then I, I just think Goffstown and North are just so close in terms of their personnel. Um, I, I think this has the opportunity to be a really great week. Yeah, I think the thing that would surprise me most is if one of these two games was a blowout. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really would. I, I, I don't expect that at all. In fact, I, I you know, you can see this, uh, the Division II team being, uh, game being a, a kind of a defensive battle. Yeah. Quite frankly. Yeah, um, and, 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 but I think you're right. I don't think there's going, I think it's going to be a, a tough, tough 48 minutes and a well-earned win for whoever comes out on the other end of it. Well, before we go, I'd like to once again thank our uh, our sponsor, uh, Greenblatt and O'Rourke, PLLC. They specialize in criminal, family, and business law, along with estate planning and litigation. Uh, give them a call at 603-746-1330 or visit golaw-nh.com. Mike, uh, thanks again for, for joining us and, and chatting about some football. I'm, I'm looking forward to this weekend and uh, 
and excited to, to get together again and, and talk about uh, talk about these games next week. As am I. He is Mike Lockman. I am Joe Marcellina. Thanks again for listening.